Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot. Oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker. And Patricia Kirkman, PK, is unfortunately not going to be with us for a while. She is still recuperating. And she is so sad not to be able to join us, but she's got a bit of a road ahead of her to get back to her normal, vibrant, very busy self. And we're also going to be welcoming... A new co-host, and you know who she is. It is the great medium, Michelle Clark. She is Claire, excuse me. She's going to be joining us, and we are going to have a great time with Michelle. She is very talented medium and psychic, and she will be adding her insights to every show that we are going to be doing. So in the meantime, I just want to mention again, everybody, this is Property Tax Month. You've got to take a look at your property record card. If you are a property owner, it is your responsibility to take a look at that property record card and make sure you're getting taxed on exactly what's there and nothing extra. And to learn more about this, how to read your property record card and how to fight any discrepancies, then you need a book. And here it is. Are you getting screwed on your property taxes? How to find out and how to fix it. It is by attorney Patricia Quintilian, who was targeted for unfair taxation on her property for five years. She fought it. She won her cases in court. But it really made her think about all the other people who are being taken advantage of, whether it be by accident or on purpose. So if you want to learn more, this is the book for you, and I highly recommend that you get it on Amazon and read it. It was written years ago, but it is still very relevant. It will give you all the basics that you need to know about how the system works and what you need to do to make sure that you're not being taken advantage of like a friend of ours who was being taxed on a barn on her property that did not exist and was never there. And she paid over $5,000 in property taxes for a non-existent barn until one day, because of this book, she got her property record card and was able to figure out that there was a big error 
on her card. Now, keep in mind, she was not able to get any kind of a refund on those taxes. It didn't matter that the assessors made an error. It didn't matter that she paid this, these bills erroneously. It was too late. So the uh, deadlines are very strict. You have to follow them. You have to know when they are, what they are, and that's what this book is for. So, again, are you getting screwed on your property taxes, how to find out and how to fix it on Amazon? So also, please. Go to the Facebook page, like and follow us. We have got so many good stories there, new UFO sightings. It seems like the sky is filling up with ships lately. So take a look at some of these stories coming in from all over the world. And thank goodness for cell phones because now we have video and we have still shots. I saw a great shot of a UFO just recently in Sedona in the sky, very clearly a ship. So don't miss out. Go to the Facebook page, like and follow us there, and follow us on Twitter. So tonight, we have got, I have got, a very exciting guest for you. He was on the show back in 2017 where we were discussing Bent Light. Our guest tonight is William Lawrence. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about William, and then we're going to bring him right on the show. He's a scientist. And he's investigating new methods of communication with the supernatural. So developing a new device to demodulate the electromagnetic spectrum of sunlight, William discovered ghosts were able to show themselves in the light. Now later, he went on to discover that it wasn't just spirits appearing, but what appears to be extraterrestrial life. So experimenting with this device for seven years, William has collected overwhelming evidence of unexplained anomalies with photographic evidence of non-physical spirits, physical humans, and what looks like an advanced reptilian species. Now, all of these are appearing in detail in the electromagnetic spectrum of sunlight. So we're going to bring William on the show. He's going to share all of this with you. Now, I have posted one of the articles about this with photographs on the Facebook page, so be sure to take a look at some of these remarkable photos and the article about what William has accomplished. This is huge, everybody. So, William, welcome to the show. Hi, Patricia. Thanks for having me on. I'm glad to be back. Well, thank you for joining us. This is so groundbreaking. And I know you're a scientist, but if you can break this down for all of us who don't have that same quantum physics background that you do, it would be wonderful if we could all understand this from a layperson's perspective. So if you could, please start with how you got involved with this. How did you discover this? In the beginning, I had an idea of how I could communicate with those and I was looking into the paranormal and trying to develop a method to, to speak to them or to see them. So I had this idea that I could use sunlight. So I developed this device that has a little bit of water in it and a convex lens. And what I do is I let the light pass through the water and through the lens, and then that light projects out to a black piece of steel I use as a screen to photograph the 
electromagnetic spectrum of our sun. So I'm, I'm photographing the spectrum, the visible light frequency, which is like the colors of the rainbow. And in doing so, unexplained objects, beings, and what appears to be extraterrestrials are appearing in the spectrum. They all show bilateral symmetry, so they're not perfect symmetry. None of the photographs are edited, so all the photographs are originally the actual photo that was taken at the time of the spectrum. And these objects are forming like uh, telescopes and people. And in order for me to understand when I discovered this, I had to look into possible scientific platforms that would explain how it's even possible. And what I came to the conclusion of is that what's happening to these to the light particles, which are photons, which is a particle of light. So in one inch of uh, one inch of uh, sunlight, you're looking at hundreds and hundreds of millions of photons. So the objects that are appearing in the photographs consist of over 500 to a billion photons that are all perfectly arranged to form a coherent image of something unexplained. In order for that to be possible, there has to be a form of quantum entanglement. So where the photons are being entangled and they're creating these objects and images from an outside source. So the technology doesn't exist on Earth to entangle hundreds of thousands or even millions of photons. So in order for the objects to appear, it, they're being put into the light from somewhere else. And what that somewhere else is, I believe, to be extraterrestrial. Now, how large are these, when you, when you project them out and you take a photograph on the black steel, are these, because when I've seen the photos, they look on the smaller side or are they on the larger side? All the photos are around three to three inches long. So you're only okay. looking at a tiny slither of the spectrum, and you're looking at it on a black screen. So they're around three inches long and about one inch wide. Each, each photograph is about that size. And then the objects that are forming inside the photos, are they have detail, like with laser precision detail, and it's smaller than the face on a coin. So when you go to look at these, you get your magnifying glass out. So you could, do you blow them up larger? How do you, what do you do so that you can see them clearly in a larger format? So with this device, I'm able to run these demodulation experiments using my laptop and a and a, and a webcam where I'm taking still shots as the photo as uh, the experiment is taking place. You can do video as well. So on the laptop, this little three-inch slither is the size of my laptop screen. So then I'm able okay. to, to go through all the evidence. And when doing the experiment, I would run the experiment for around an hour, take around 150 photographs. I would review those photographs. And in the reviewing process, majority of the time, there would be nothing there. It was only on occasion. So like one day out of the week, I would get unexplained objects appearing. And then the rest of the days, there was nothing. And then like a week or two would pass, nothing. And then out of nowhere, they would just appear again. Sometimes they would appear for a week straight to where I would get unexplained images appearing for a week, and then they would just disappear. So what it seems, what I seem to be doing is tuning in a frequency, this frequency that is in use by other civilizations. And what they're able to do is quantum entangle photons in our star, the sun, 
and then every single star in the universe would be connected via that entanglement. So if, the, if there was an advanced species in another galaxy, the Andromeda galaxy, it's like 2.5 mm-hmm. billion light years away. If they wanted to communicate with this galaxy, with entanglement, they could communicate instantaneously. So they could encode data into the photons, and then we could read that data and communicate large distances. We're talking the entire universe is accessible with this technology. So is it like this gives you a window into other realities? It is like a peak into another dimension, but but like I said, through entanglement. Einstein coined the term quantum entanglement, and he said it was like spooky action at a distance because physicists can't explain how the information is traveling faster than the speed of light. So from point A to point B, it can get there instantaneously. No one can explain how it's possible, but once you understand and unlock this technology, you can violate the laws of physics. You can send this information endlessly, and in doing so, you are connecting to an intergalactic, um, how would I say this, an intergalactic communication network. And like you're saying, it's almost like looking into a window. So if you were looking out a window and you're able to take the other side of that window and put it somewhere else, you're seeing through time, you're seeing through space, you're seeing what's going on instantly. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty remarkable technology that you have developed, and the implications are pretty staggering. So did you ever get a little concerned when you saw these beings appear in your photographs and your videos? I was never really concerned, more intrigued. I never had a reason to fear. They seemed to be peaceful, and within one week of making the discovery, once I captured the very first photographs of them, I started getting visited by UFOs. The very first one was a a large orange sphere that came into the backyard and it just hovered and then it just drifted away. And then for the next two years, it was just these giant white orbs that would eventually, like one time one came over the top of my car as I'm driving at night, 11 p.m. And it just went into the road in front of me. And then most times they would stay in the sky and look like stars. They would drop down. They would come down Mm -hmm. very low, and then they would stop. And then they would shoot straight up back to space. So for two years they kept visiting me. They did. So you opened a doorway and took a peek into their reality, and it sounds like they took that as an invitation to come into yours. Yeah, and I mean... There, there's so many UFO sightings, so I'm not the only one on Earth seeing these UFOs, but, for, but prior to the discovery, I never had one visitation. So right, as this soon is a lot more than a coincidence. Yeah. Yes, and I was only into ghosts and paranormal. I was watching ghost hunters and looking for ghosts and doing my own ghost hunts. And when I developed the device, I was developing it to communicate with spirits. And instead, I get visited by UFOs a week later. (laughs) Wow, that is startling for sure. Now, what about lately? Have you had any other visits after the two-year period stopped? I haven't really been looking up that much. I've been really hitting the books, trying to research quantum physics. I've ran the experiment one or two times, but 
most of my time now is spent on trying to understand how it's possible, finding the science behind it that makes it possible, and then getting this information into the hands of people that can understand it, investigate it, and bring it to the next level, which is direct communication with other civilizations in our universe. Yeah, that would be ideal. Um, It's just, it's so incredible what you've done to be able to capture these civilizations, these entities, uh, wherever they're from, whether they're interdimensionals, ETs, spirits. Still, it is pretty remarkable uh, in terms of the photography that you have. Now, have you ever heard them speak? I mean, when you're taking these photographs and videos, have you ever heard any form of communication come from them? I have asked questions while I'm running the experiment verbally out loud, and they were able to manipulate the photons to answer my questions. One time I asked to see like buildings in a city, and they showed me a city and buildings. Another time I asked them, how can I trust you? Because at that time I was like a little sketched out in the beginning, and they sent me an image of a stuffed animal that I had when I was a child. It was a stuffed oh gremlin God. from the movie from the movie Gremlins. So they entangled that into the light. So I have a photograph of what appears to be a little gremlin in the light during the time that I was asking them how I can trust them. So I do have a lot of trust in them. So they are able to hear me, but when it comes to audio from them. With the visible light spectrum and quantum entanglement, you can develop a device to pull the audio. I don't have Mm -hmm. the device completely developed, but when I was doing my moonlight experiments where I'm uh, experimenting with the spectrum of the sun, but while it reflects off of the moon, with these experiments, you don't need a steel metal screen. You can actually just take your camera on your phone, take a water bottle with one inch of water, Take your camera and place it directly onto the bottom of that bottle where the water is and shine it right at the moon and then record video. When I was doing this, I not only did I capture unexplained entities and objects appearing on video, but then these strange noises in the background. It sounded like two lions that were walking in circles around me, and one let off a little roar, and then the next one let off a little roar, and then the third one let off a huge roar, and then the third Mm. one was just like he was turning around growling and then walking away. Mm -hmm. So there was some unexplained audios that were captured with the moonlight experiment. Wow. Now the fact that they were able to reach into your uh, mind and pull out your favorite stuffed animal, did that concern you at all? At the time, no. Yeah, I, my imagination believes in a lot of different things. And when it comes to reality, none of it can really even explain reality. The universe is so huge that we can't even possibly quite understand it yet. So when it comes to other species and other civilizations and even our own being, our own soul, our consciousness, when we pass away, we move on to heaven. I'm a strong believer in that. And what I believe is that my consciousness, my soul, when my body dies, is going to go back. So I'm already aware of the higher realms. I'm already aware that I'm not earthbound. You know, I have superpowers that are inside me, and once I'm outside of my body, I'll be able to use those powers. So when it comes to understanding the unknown, I guess I'm more open and less closed-minded to it, so I'm not afraid of it. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I understand that. I mean, we've had a lot of guests on the show talking about aliens, extraterrestrials, interdimensionals. Some of them are, you know, talk about ETs as being very benign. Others, like um, Daryl, the alien hunter, say no, they're not benign. So that's why I always ask everybody who comes on the shows having experiences like this if, at any point if you get concerned that they do have abilities that we don't have. And they're more advanced, a lot of them, if not all of them. So it gives them an edge in, in the relationship that you're developing. I mean, I'm thrilled to hear you're not afraid, but I, I'd like to know more about that because there is a lot going on in what you're doing. I mean, you're you're not just talking to ETs. You're not just talking to ghosts or identifying them through this new technology. It's a lot of different things happening. I mean, what about cryptids? Have you had any cryptids show up, like Bigfoot, Mothman, Dogman, any of those? The only thing I've experienced through this whole experience of seven years is mainly non-physical and spiritual um, paranormal mm-hmm. stuff on Earth. And then with the, my bent light experiment with the extraterrestrials, the UFOs did visit me, but I've never met with an alien. So, I mean, I've been in a room. I was just painting at an old church, and mm-hmm. I was working late. And as I was leaving, I had to shut all the lights off. And while I was there, I actually recorded EVPs, electronic voice phenomena. I didn't know what I recorded yet, but I knew something was there. And as I was walking out, I heard verbally, you're a good painter (laughs) as I'm leaving. And I'm the only one in this church. Oh, my goodness. What a nice compliment from the other side. (laughs) It was a great compliment knowing that my work is even, you know, acknowledged from the spiritual realm, which was great. But I I was restaining and refinishing wood, so I I really put in a lot of work there to make it look nice. But when it comes to other things, I haven't really had experiences with that. I I stick to the science. I'm trying to understand the science, and then Mm -hmm. I'm trying to develop this communicational skill. And what you were talking about earlier, the universe is huge. You know, there's hundreds of millions and billions of stars. There's hundreds of millions of galaxies So there could be multiple civilizations communicating with Earth. There could also be multiple frequencies that they're using to communicate with Earth. And I just happened to stumble upon one frequency that I'm able to get photographic physical evidence of that communicational frequency. But there, there could, I could have found a back door, too. We could be cut off from other civilizations with communication. And by me looking into these photons, maybe I found a back door to communicate with another civilization that wants us to break free from the control that we're under and move on to the next level. So there is a lot of speculation, but I try to stick to the facts. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you may... I'm, Maybe I should put you in touch with uh, someone at one of the universities that is looking into photons because we've had a guest on the show who can actually produce, I believe it's over a million photons, with his, just with his mind, that they can measure. So I know that they're doing work on this, and they might be very interested in helping you with what you're doing. So that may be a way to go to take this further. Um, I can get you their names and contact information if you like. Yeah, I mean, the more 
information, the better. Every day I'm researching, I'm contacting people and sending information out, and I'm finding more information and putting more information together. So the more people we have working on this project, the better for us to understand. The quicker we'll be able to understand these complex scientific terms that are going on. Like the, There's things and, that are going yeah. on that science can't explain, and we've got to right, explain like it. So the, the more Ryan people Institute. looking, the better. The Rhine Institute might be very interested in working with you on this. So I'll, I'll get your contact there, and you can speak with them about this. And it also is intriguing, William, that you're able to get a specific communication. You are able to communicate very clearly, How should I? why should I trust you? And you very clearly got an answer back that you were satisfied with. Now, have you considered doing more specific things like that? like asking for someone that you know that may have passed to show up in one of your photographs? Well, I have not, and and I haven't ran the experiment since 2020, May of 2020. I ran the Mm -hmm. experiment for, for one week and was able to capture. I ran a controlled experiment where I kept the background black, and I was able to see these unexplained anomalies appearing. But once I... I think this year we, I will be running the experiment more frequently. I can run those tests and, and definitely give more feedback as far as what they're going to answer to and, and things like that. The main focus for me is just getting this information out. I feel that the evidence I've already gathered is clear enough to warrant an investigation. Unfortunately, I've not been able to get an investigation for seven years. Now, last year in August of 2021, there was a quantum physicist in London who just wrote an article, published a paper theorizing that advanced alien species in our universe can communicate using entangled photons and put that communication into stars. And what I've been claiming is I, I found extraterrestrial messages in light from a star. It just so happens to be our star, the closest star to Earth. So what I'm trying to do is warrant the investigation, but if I have to do more experiments, I will this year. Yeah, I think that that's very intriguing to people. Um, I think people at the Rhine Institute would want to know more about that kind of thing and then measure what you're doing from there. Because I know with Ed Edwards, we've had him on the show a bunch of times, and his work with photons is pretty impressive and it's pretty consistent, and that's what they liked about Ed, is that he could reproduce the same results over and over again. So they would be, I think, very interested in what you're doing. It's, again, in the same realm of what they're doing. And, they, again, they want to see what's possible. And that's why I'm asking more specific questions and seeing if you could do more specific communications to have certain people show up that are recognizable to you, that you could actually ask uh, let's see, Uncle Ed to show up and he shows up and you have a picture and you can measure it, you know, you can put it right next to the picture of the real Uncle Ed when he was alive. Those are the kinds of things I think people would also want to know about. Is this possible that you can have communication with these people and they show up on the other side? So it would be a fun experiment to do. Yeah, you know, a controlled experiment, I, definitely. Yeah. And when it comes to the the photons, you know, even our biological human brain 
has a nervous system. And within that nervous system, we have neurons inside our brain and there's biophotons that these neurons are able to create. So our brain actually creates light within our our cells to where that light, I theorized in one of my publications, telepathy is a link to quantum physics, is that through this quantum entanglement that I'm picking up with my camera in this visible light spectrum of the sun, people could do this with their mind telepathically via these neurons and these biophotons that are somehow connecting to a higher realm. And through entanglement, another civilization could input um, information into your brain via quantum entanglement, and then you could read that information. Not everyone would have that ability, but, but it does link science to a lot of mediums and psychics. Well, and that's where I think the Rhine Institute, who has already studied Ed Edwards, would have the right information to help you because, as I mentioned, Ed can generate, I believe it's around a million photons with his brain that they've measured. And yeah, that's again, it's incredible. Consistent. That's something that I I will be researching later on this yeah, week. Yeah, you you may want to also listen to an interview that I arranged for Ed and somebody from who is investigating him from one of the universities. And at the time, it was uh, who was it? it? Was George Norrie who was interviewing him on Coast to Coast? And there was I, I think it was either. A, tornado or hurricane or something was brewing and they and george asked um ed to tune into it and see if he could affect it and he actually brought the wind speed down quite a bit just by using the photons that he can generate with his own mind and george was astounded because they checked with the, the wind speed after ed had done this and it had definitely decreased and Ed's known uh, for doing a lot of things like that. Um, and, again, it's measurable and it's consistent, which is often very difficult in the paranormal world. It's sometimes very hard to get those two things to happen, consistency like that. So I think they would be interested in talking to you about what they know. You may be surprised about what they already know about this through their studies with Ed. Yeah, I'll definitely be pulling up those links. Yeah, definitely check that out because there there may be a lot there that can propel all of this information forward. I mean, what I like about what you're doing also, and I hope it'll stay this way, is that ultimately anybody can do what you're doing. I mean, you just said you can do it with water in a bottle and passing light through it and following your directions. They can get the same kinds of results. I like that because then it's not a technology that is owned by the government. Now, all of a sudden, you know, they take ownership and we don't know what the heck's going on anymore. I mean, this technology would give people who are interested an opportunity to have that same communication. I like it. I think it's great because right now we're under water with all of this. I mean, the Pentagon did come out and say a bunch of nonsense that, yeah, oh, yeah, we know there's there's things flying around in our skies we can't explain, but we don't know what they are. I mean, really? Seriously? You don't know what they are? You do. You just don't want to tell us what they are and who's piloting those ships. So, 
again, there's this big push, this whole thing of rebranding UFOs to UAPs. It's, again, ownership. They want to own it. We're on the outside. We don't get to know anything about what's really going on. So your technology, it, if it's – go ahead. What makes it different is, I think you were about to touch on this, is the technology that I'm developing, before I developed it, didn't exist. And even some of the theories that I'm theorizing did not exist when I developed this technology. So with this technology that the government may or may not have, there's just so many possibilities. I mean, the possibilities are endless. The main thing is understanding it. Well, yeah, it's understanding it and, again, hopefully keeping it available to people who want to investigate. Maybe they want to talk to their Aunt Rose. Maybe they, you know what I mean? It's like this is something that that could help a lot of people in a lot of ways for closure and other I, reasons, release the fear of death. You don't have to be afraid of that anymore. I mean, there's a lot of things that this could offer people. Just the communicating with life after life would be the biggest benefit to humanity to where we would be able to talk to people who passed and maybe even people who passed thousands of years ago. So mm-hmm. we would be able to talk to people. Like I would even be able to speak at my own funeral on earth. So it wouldn't even be a funeral. I wouldn't be dying. I would be moving on, but I would still be able to communicate directly with earth. We could even develop a, a social media app for heaven. That's an incredible thought. I love it. That's really great. That's great. Yeah. I mean, just think how that would radically change everything. So, I I mean, my wish for you in all of this is that it remains something that's readily available to all of us rather than the government swoops in and says, this is ours now. And I know you mentioned that there is a frequency that the government has forbidden people to use. Tell me about that. So the government's been using... Um, free space uh, optical communication. So they've been using the visible light spectrum to communicate via free space using lasers where they're able to send um, information at around 1,000 gigabytes a second. Now this visible light spectrum is only used by governments and institutions of the government. It is not allowed to be used by the public. Now I find it fishy that finding the information of extraterrestrials in the visible light spectrum, and only the government is allowed to use the visible light spectrum. So that could mean they already know, and they keep it protected so no one else understands it, or Mm -hmm. they still don't know, and they're using technology that's even out of date compared to the technology that I'm describing. So if the government doesn't Mm -hmm. have this technology, there's no way they can keep it secret now because I'm putting it out in the public. And the science didn't exist when I came out and made this discovery, but now I'm starting to link all the different science that's involved. And the more I link these sciences together, the more I realize how not only easy this technology is, but how simple and how cost-effective. I mean, it's, it's literally going to save billions of dollars. We, we will hardly need any money to use this technology. 
And even back in the 1980s, the, the United States Navy, they patented a device where they had up in space a satellite with a retro reflector, and it reflected sunlight down to a receiving station on Earth. So they put information into the sunlight. They let that light beam down to Earth at a receiving station where they had a demodulating device that was able to demodulate the sunlight and pull information out. This was in the 1980s. United States Navy has this technology. So they were already using sunlight. Now, I don't know if they were tuning the same frequency. So it's like a TV station. If you have it on this channel, the old TVs where you had to tune the channel in. So maybe right. they never turned the antenna enough to, to see what I'm seeing, but they've been pretty close. And also, let's look at this. Logically, I mean, what do they? What does the government ever want to do with anything? They want to weaponize it. So this, really, you're not going about it for that goal. I mean, you're going about it to help change what our reality is, to help understand life, to reach beyond life after death. So what your your focus is would be quite different from what the government's focus would be. So. I like the thought that people might be able to use this themselves. And not only to just communicate with people that have passed, but also there are people on the other side that may have information that would help our health situation. They may actually have cures for certain things that we haven't found yet. Or if you're able to go into the future, you would be able to ask questions about did you find a cure for cancer, for example? Did you find a cure for autoimmune disease or anything, heart disease? That is another application of the technology that you have. And the universe, according to scientists, is approximately 14 to 15 billion, I, I believe, years old. The Earth is only 4 billion years old, and we developed in 4 billion years. So if the universe had been around another 10 billion years prior to that, we're talking about species that could be a billion years ahead of us in technology. That's pretty mind-boggling. And the information, what you're describing, and the information we will be able to collect from them once we're able to talk to them is going to change everything that we know. You know, we could our delivery methods would be completely different. You could send something from New York to Hong Kong in less than the time it takes for you to snap your finger. This yeah, UFO would, technology would... we could use to just send all of our cargo everywhere. All of our trash on Earth we could put in these UFO technologies. We could entangle the space-time around all of our garbage and send it right to our star and let it just burn up and disappear. So once like we're able that. to once we're able to manipulate space and time, we will be able to move objects that violate the laws of physics. So we could take one object here and we could put it somewhere else instantly. Wherever we choose. Yes. I can't even uh think in one in this moment how that would change everything. I mean it would be so incredible. But again, uh there are so many ways to use this that are practical for even right now. So it's, I think, doing more specific experiments on your own would be a good thing to do and bring out more of the possibilities because I think as people see this, especially other researchers, 
see what you have accomplished and who you've identified that you're communicating with, it's going to make all the difference in the world to them. They're going to want to get involved. Now, you also have identified an advanced reptilian species. How did you know that that's what they were? At first, I didn't even see them. They were camouflaged in the light, so I didn't even recognize it. And what it takes with these images is you really got to focus in on the images. You got to see them in order to see them. And in the beginning, I had no idea. I thought I, I did see the human soul, the spirit, and I did see some other things that looked human. But it, was, it wasn't until like three weeks later, and I was like, well, I found these things. Let me just go back through all of my experimental data, and let me just see if I missed something. And out of nowhere, I saw something, and it, and it appeared to be alien-like. So once, you, once I seen it, then I couldn't not see it. I couldn't undo not seeing it. And mm-hmm. what's very... What's very specific about this species is they have brown skin, um, leathery-like. Um, they do look similar to turtles, but highly advanced, a billion years old evolution. And they have these gold reflective eyes. And I was at a pond, and there was a turtle poking his head out of the water. And I took a photograph of that, zoomed in, and I, I put it side to side, and they look identical except for one's highly evolved and the other's not evolved. So how did you know it was highly I, evolved, though? What what were you? How did you determine the that? Features, that? The features. The features okay. on the actual being. So he has these large gold reflective eyes. He has two nostril holes, and he has an upside down mouth. Now, just this entity appearing there shows a form of intelligence, but it looks more like what a lot of people have described to be alien-like. So that's where I mm-hmm. came to the to the conclusion, that's when I discovered that this wasn't just spirits and ghosts. This is extraterrestrial. And that's where I had to mm-hmm. change paths and start researching both avenues, both the paranormal and the extraterrestrial. Now, these reptiles have appeared multiple times throughout a year of experimenting. So the very first reptile I captured was in early 2015. It wasn't until the end of 2016, almost 17, I captured another reptile very clear and he had brown skin and a gold eye and what makes the brown skin unique is the color brown is not even in the visible light spectrum wow so somehow they were able to project a brown color correct in the in the visible light spectrum Hmm. were you able to communicate with them Now, as far as communication, the communication is messages of them, and what they are is just showing themselves. So I don't know who I'm talking to or who's manipulating the photons and creating these images, but what I I do know is that they're there and they want to be seen. So they're like showing themselves. Maybe that's how they feel, what they feel is necessary for the messages. There was one message that had a telescope in it with an alien being riding a beam of light, and he was looking through the rear end of the old telescope. And the telescope mm-hmm. looks similar to Galileo's spyglass. And that was the very wow. first invention of uh, looking into outer space. So it was almost as if they're saying, like, you can see us and we can see you. And they're using Galileo's spyglass as a representation of this incredible discovery is how I feel. Yeah. 
yeah, and they're obviously older than anything. Uh, so they've been around, it sounds like, the longest. So all of this is mind-boggling. Do you stay up at night thinking about all of this? I do not. My my wife has showed me how I got to turn the switch off on occasion. So, <laughs> you know, there there are days when, a, a, say I wake up and I'm reading the news and I see a quantum physicist just coming out with a new theory. Those days are going to be busy days. But so long as there's no major breakthroughs going on, I'm usually pretty quiet during the week. Mm-hmm. Now, did these things ever, now that you've opened the door, as you mentioned or the window, uh, they've come to visit you. How about in your dreams? Have they ever stepped into your dreams to communicate you with you that way? There have been a couple of times where I woke up inside my dream. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, I, was a, I felt like I was conscious. So I'm walking around. I was in a shopping mall. There was like these stairs that go up to the roof. And I was, in, I was on the stairs and next thing you know, I was teleported from there, like 100 feet away at the cash register. And I'm looking at the lady. There's a security guard to the left, and there's someone behind me. And I'm at this register, and I just asked the lady, I said, like, just a second ago, I was over there by the stairs. How did I end up here? And she's looking at me with like a dumbfounded face, and she's looking at the security guard, and they're both looking at each other, and they're like, how does he – how is he talking to us? Like they, like I caught him off guard. They didn't expect me to be conscious. So it was very very interesting. It was a very weird experience. So uh, becoming conscious in a dream that only happened once. There was another experience where I, I, I was out of my body. It seemed, and I was flying down this river and all I seen was these trees and everything's moving really quickly, and I'm just like flying sideways down this river in the jungle of Amazon or somewhere. Next thing you know, I hear some guys saying, we got him, we got him, we got him, and they grab me from behind, put me on the back seat of like a 1970s single cab truck, and then just take off down a dirt road. And the last thing I remember is looking at the river and the trees and seeing the river fade away. Wow. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, again, the door is open or the window is open. And so there's no way that working with this can't change you. It has to change you. It has to keep opening up your consciousness, right? I agree to that to some extent. And then what I'm doing, too, is trying to find the science behind it. And and like I said before, a lot of the science isn't out there to to because a lot of scientists can't explain the unexplained. So in trying to put these pieces and all these puzzles together, you know, I started out with this discovery of information and light. Now we're moving on to quantum entanglement, quantum teleportation, and high-tech communication. And then from communication, we're going to be moving on to energy sectors. There's just so many possibilities, endless. But I'm happy to be where I'm at, but I'm looking forward to where I'm going to be in the future. I mean, we have quantum physicists coming out right now claiming that we could use stars to communicate, yet I've been claiming we've been using stars to communicate for seven years and no one has listened. So Mm -hmm. what I'm really hoping for is an investigation of the discovery, and I'm 100% certain without one little shred of doubt that this discovery can be disproven. Because I've already proved it. 
Yeah, it is remarkable, and you're quite the futurist because you can see down the road how things would change radically um, with this particular technology as a, a basically a, a jumping-off point. There's just so many things that, that can be done. And, you know, I think there is a lot of technology around all of this that the government does have, and we just don't know about it. And they're not going to talk about it. They're not going to reach out to you and say, hey, we want to work with you on this. You know, it's a closed system. So I think your best bet is some of the universities who are looking into this, even though they're also often tied to the government. They're, they have a little more leeway so in what they can do. And then they have experiences like with people like Ed Edwards. So I'll put you in touch with them for sure. But I'd love to see you do more specific experiments around contact. Now, as you were talking about the reptilians, I got the sense that they really do want to communicate, that they have some messages here. And maybe that's the reason they appeared so many times. I mean, they just didn't want to, you know, selfies or photographs. I mean, they're like, they're there for a reason, it felt like, a purpose. Well, they appeared together, too, which was remarkable. In one of the photographs, there was three entities all standing in a line. On the left, there was an alien being, um, reptile-like. Very, he wasn't too tall, but he's not too short. In the center, there's like a tall man or a woman wearing a robe with like this necklace. And then on the right, there's a bald man with a black suit. So you got a human on the right an unknown in the middle. And then on the left, you have a reptile. So these, these species that are highly advanced, they all live in harmony, I believe. They all live, they know of, of each other's existence. So we're talking reptiles, fully evolved, humans, mammals, fully evolved. There could be stars with planets around them that have insects, fully evolved, or arachnids, spiders, fully evolved. Like every single species that's on this planet in some other planet could have fully evolved to to have remarkable characteristics similar to to not only humans but even be more advanced than humans. That's quite that's, that's quite interesting. Yes, I mean why not? Why couldn't they evolve? But I do get that sense with the reptilian species. Now I will say, again, we've had guests on our show that say reptilians are bad. I've had guests on the show that say. There's good and bad in every every group, so you can't just say there's all bad reptilians. But there is has been a lot of conversation recently about reptilians controlling this planet, not for our benefit. So um, I'm not sure. You know, the jury's out. That on could all get of this back right into now. that could get back into the back door where I discovered a backdoor communicational channel with a civilization that is trying to possibly give us information to break the chains, to break free from this prison that we're in. I mean, that is a speculation and, and a possibility that there's one species, an advanced species, controlling the, the planet Earth, and there's other species trying to send us information, and then the information they send us, we can then use to break free from the species holding us captive and then we're communicating with everybody, building spaceships, going up and having bars in space. Like, <laughs> it's going to be like Star awesome. Wars, yeah. Like, yeah, well, we're not shopping yeah, but it's going to take a 
a lot, I think, to if there is a reptilian species that has control of our planet, we're going to need a lot of help to break free of it. I mean, this, this is, if this is a prison planet, and we've certainly heard enough from our guests about that it is, then we're going to need to, uh, to, to get help. We need all the lifeboats they can send us and the life rafts. It's like, hey, yeah, we need your help out here. Maybe that's also an experiment you can conduct and say, you know, what's the truth? What do we need to do to break free of being on a prison planet? How do we change that? What I'm getting? I've heard from remote viewers that are saying it's going to be really tough because this has been a prison planet for a long time under other control. And what I'm getting from this interview is that I really need to run this experiment more. So, yes. like I said, I've, <laughs> I've been on a hiatus. I've been doing the scientific research, understanding this phenomenon, and, and it's quite time-consuming. I, I spend almost every day looking at articles, reading publications, and just trying to put these pieces together. And, and what we just discussed is a speculation that is, is, is possible. And, and yeah. by us communicating with another civilization outside of this wall, this curtain that we're in, they're going to be able to pass on information to help us move on to the next level, not only communication but technology. And that technology is what's going to get us to become uh, part of our galactic neighbors because without that technology, we can't even see them, we can't talk to them, and we can't visit them. So if there is a species controlling our planet, we now have a backdoor. We can talk to someone else and see what advice they give us to move on and try to get to the next level. I think that that would be great. I mean, if you could get that information transmitted and disseminate that information, that would be a saving grace for all of us. And With my experiment... And with my experiment, the photographs that I collected are detailed. They have laser precision, and they look really cool. It's crazy how detailed these objects and people are. Now, what scientists are going to be able to do is reverse engineer what I have done, and they're going to be able to, like Skype or video calling or Zoom, they're going to be able to create the video devices necessary to pull this information out, and we're going to have live video streams where they're going to be able to walk in front of a, whatever their camera is, and we're going to be able to sit down and actually sit in a room with these entities and, and communicate back and forth for the first time. I think that's wonderful. I mean, that, w that would be great as long as they're friendly and supportive of our own evolution without restraint and restrictions. That would be wonderful. I mean, there was a group in the U.K., and they're, they're still in operation under a different uh, set of people, and they were able to communicate with people who had passed. They also had full-body apparitions take place in their sessions, and they had things show up on film. And I think I told you it was the afterlife investigations. I don't know if you've had a chance to watch that. But they were very successful at getting photographs and videos of other civilizations. And they didn't use anything but their minds. So I'm guessing that they had the wherewithal to do something like Ed Edwards has done and generate large amounts of photons. So they were able to communicate across time and space. And they also had a lot of apports, you know, where things actually fell from the ceiling out of thin air 
and they were able to verify that the objects were from a different time. So, I don't know, did you have a chance to see that, the afterlife investigations? I have not watched it, but now, was that digital photography or film? This was Polaroid, that, and oh, it was okay. film so that was film. just sitting in the, in the middle of the table. It wasn't even in a camera. It was, it was still in the, you know, sealed up, brand new package. And then they would unwrap it, and they would have all of these photographs from other places. So it's quite remarkable what they were able Very to intriguing. achieve. Yeah, and so there's another example of communication that took place over a five-year period that it had to come to a stop, unfortunately. But for five years, they were able to create this incredible amount of communication and through all sorts of time, space, continuums, uh, dimensions, other planets. And they did it without, just with their minds, without any other technology. They just used it, you know, the stuff like the film to prove what they were doing. So I think this having an actual technology... There has to be yeah. a way, though, that information was imprinted onto the film. So that's what makes that sound very interesting. So I'll have to look into that and see how that's even yeah, you scientifically take, possible. Take a look. Yeah, the photographs are also available online. You can see the stills. And I know that they are also in the uh, YouTube video that's about an hour and a half long. It's Everybody should watch it. It's mind-boggling. And, again, it's something that got very little press. So a lot of people don't even know about it. But they proved, yes, there's life after death. They proved it beyond a shadow of a doubt. So they're very talented, all of them, very talented mediums, and they were able to pull this off. So <clears throat> it's it's possible to do this, and other people have proved that it's possible. It's just that what you have that's quite different is you're formulating an actual technology that can do it consistently. And tuning in a frequency which we could use to communicate on. Yes. I mean, we can't put the information in yet, but somehow we're going to be able to develop it eventually. But so long as they can keep sending the information, we can collect it. And what I was talking about digital, what I noticed, you know, when you have electronic voice phenomena, that's a digital tape recorder. When you're recording, like when I was working in the church, I didn't hear people talking around me while I was working. It wasn't until I left when I did hear the one guy say what he said. But with digital, <laughs> when I was recording. I was I was recording then. So when I got home, I was listening to the tape, and there was a woman who said um, she came up and she was like, yes, yes, or, or something like that. And there's someone else in the background mm-hmm. that was like really loud and said, hello, just like that, hello. But I didn't hear it. <laughs> I didn't hear it while I'm working. If I did, I might have ran out. Right. But but <laughs> that was the same voice that said, you're a good painter as I was leaving. Um, mm-hmm. He's a popular guy there. He must be very popular. But what I'm getting at is <laughs> they're able to imprint these digital formats where they're able to encode their data. And what I believe and how I believe they're doing that is with a form of uh, the electromagnetic spectrum, but also they're interfering with that the electrons in that data. And all data, whenever you're tape recording, you're recording, it gets turned into like electric data. It's like binary ones and zeros and information. And what we have is receivers that can take that information. So when you send a photo via radio waves, that photo is turned into ones and zeros. It's turned into a code, binary. Mm -hmm. And then when Mm -hmm. I receive that photo, 
then my fancy device will take that code and instantly turn it into what it's supposed to be. So, so no direct information is being transmitted. So these spirits are able to manipulate that the same way the spirits are able to encode their voices or even themselves into digital photography is similar to the techniques that I'm using with my experiment. So they're able to encode this information and data within the electromagnetic spectrum. But I can't see it with my physical eye. It's only when I'm using my digital camera and running the experiment, it appears in the digital. Yes, and we've had experiments that we've run here like that with just uh, a couple of mediums and the same thing. For the most part, you don't see it with the physical with your physical eyes, but when you look at the photographs, that's when you see the mantis, the head of the mantis that's that's peering in, and you see um, all kinds of other entities that are beyond description. So yeah, we've caught a lot of them on, you know, on camera. Now I've found that a, a digital camera does work better than a cell phone camera. I don't know why. I don't know what the difference is, but there's been a lot of anomalies that people have caught, and I know we discussed one, I believe it was Bruce Maccabee's wife, that caught something, and he couldn't even give an explanation as to how the photograph was taken. Now, this was in the documentary Missing 411, The Hunted, and I know I mentioned that one to you also, and I don't know if you saw that. Um, but it was the last segment, and this is all based on David Polite's work. I speak about him all the time and the great work he's done in putting together over six books on missing people that are following a certain pattern and that there's something going on here that's just unexplained. But Bruce's wife is a hunter, and she was up in a tree stand hunting, and all of a sudden everything went dead silent. And she said she got really scared. Because if that happens and you're out in the woods, then something's going on. I don't know if it's the electromagnetic field collapsing or a shift or whatever it is, but there's a lot of people that are in the woods a lot, and they've had that happen, and it's apparently quite frightening. Growing up when I was hunting, I would be on the tree stand, and in between mm -hmm. when the sun's coming up, so if it's dark, and then as the sun's coming up, all the shadows that are, that are cast in the woods, at first I thought I saw a bear. Then it turned into a raccoon, and then it turned into a tree stump. So wow. your mind plays tricks with you as the day is progressing. But so long as there was visible light, there could be some form of energy or something that gave her that feeling. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. She was talks about it in this documentary. She was quite terrified and she didn't even realize at the time that she had taken a picture there was something that she saw in the trees and she didn't even know she took a picture with her cell phone but bruce is a physicist right isn't he an optical physicist he and is one guy i would love to hear his perspective on the bent light discovery that is Number one guy right there, I'd like to get his thoughts. I've reached out to him, but I haven't had any replies. But I'm waiting patiently well, keep doing and it, hopeful. But also, take a look at the segment because she came home 
and apparently they had guests for dinner, so she didn't even mention to him what had happened until after dinner. And she gave him her fo- gave him her phone, and he looked at it and found the picture. And as I mentioned, she didn't even realize she took a picture. But that camera did not have the capacity to take the picture she took. I guess the pixels, everything was wrong. And he ended up calling, uh, I think it was the Verizon phone or whatever, to see how this could have happened. There was no explanation as to how this could have happened. And the photograph is, is quite remarkable. I mean, it looks like you are looking through some type of film at, you know, like a filmy, like a window, plastic window or something. And it looks like Bigfoot hair on the other side of it. So he was stymied as to how this camera could take this picture in this format. It was impossible. He said it was impossible. But yet it happened. So there must be things that happen in the quantum field when we shift into another field or another dimension or whatever that even affects our technology. So everybody should watch that movie anyways. It's free. I believe it's on Netflix or Prime. Uh, one of those places carries it. It's a great film, and it does talk about a lot of very mysterious things that go on in the woods and how these people disappear and they're never seen again. Um, she was lucky she didn't disappear. But the the other little piece about that night when this happened is that her nephew was playing in the band they were practicing on the field, and overhead were UFOs. Everybody saw them at the same time that she was in her tree stand having this experience. So very interesting, and again, no real explanation on the technology of how this, this camera could do what it did. I'm definitely going to look into that and see, too, if I could find any science links in between. And... um The one thing that I would like to do out of this technology is actually the earth is like a playground for these paranormal entities, these ghosts and spirits. We all know they exist. I've had experiences with them. I've seen them in person where they appeared in full detail to me. Um, I've caught them on camera, electronic voice phenomena. I've heard their voices. We all know they're here. They're all around us. With this technology, if we're able to develop it properly, we'll be able to communicate not only with other civilizations, but we're going to be able to communicate with the spirits on Earth. And one of the biggest questions I would like to ask them is, why are they here? Is there not somewhere else they would like to go? I mean, there has to be a Mm -hmm. reason why they stayed. There has to be a reason why they're still here. Um, That reason is the the question that I would like to answer. Right. I think that's a decent question to get an answer to, to see what it is that holds them here. If they even know they're being held here. Also, that's another thing. Some of them may not even know. So, yeah, it's it's relevant. This brings us into the realm of consciousness and us beings having a soul. So if ghosts exist, that proves the soul exists and consciousness. So we know that we can exist outside of our bodies. That's 100% certain. Now... The technology with the quantum physics and the quantum entanglement, if you were to send consciousness from point A to point B, you could do that from anywhere in the universe. You could be in another galaxy. You could be in another universe. But you could literally beam your consciousness to Earth 
quantum entanglements instantaneously send that information. And what I found when researching the, the bio, biological system of human bodies, when during reproduction, when the sperm enters the egg, there is a tiny flash of light that flashes as that sperm enters the egg. That could be the very moment consciousness is zapped into the body. I do not know mm-hmm. this for certain. It's just a speculation. So back right. to... We know that we're entities, we know that we have a soul, and we know that soul goes somewhere else after Earth. That's where it links with this discovery. You know, we're seeing non-physical entities. We're seeing physical entities. What we are possibly communicating with is life after life, which most theologists on Earth call that heaven, or they believe in God. I believe in God. I believe in a higher power, but I don't believe there's a right or wrong way to, to, to follow that religion, per se. But, I mean, so we're, we're kind of merging science, quantum physics, with what many people have interpreted to be religious. But, in fact, maybe it's not religious. We just couldn't understand it at the time. And in the future, it, I'm not saying we're not going to have religion, but we're going to have more knowledge in the future, and we're going to understand what these unexplained interpretations were of the past, and we're going to have new interpretations for the present and the future. So we may be able, like we discussed earlier, communicate with life after it leaves Earth. So we're basically talking with God. We're talking with heaven. To sum mm-hmm. it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's, a, that's another interesting point that you're making. Now, here's a question for you. Now, these, all of these entities and civilizations, they come with their own frequency signature. So they're all on different radio stations. But there's also other things out there that aren't so good, that like to cause trouble. And whether you call them demons or dark spirits or whatever, how, how do you keep safe from that? Because once you open the door, you've opened the door with everything. Unless you have something that you do that that keeps those things out? Well, with me, you know, I'm a strong believer in God. I, I believe in a higher power. And um, most of the times I would say they are out. I do feel like I have this bubble around me. I mean, I'm not saying bad things can't happen, but what I'm saying is negative spirits can't interfere with me mentally. Now, there are other people who are weaker where these negative entities are able to to manipulate them and maybe drive up their anger or drive up their emotions or do multiple things to create chaos in their life because they think it's funny. Now, that's right. almost like an attack. That's like a non-physical attack, but a, a, an attack on a human. And I have read and seen experiences where this has happened where these entities are are doing these things. Now, uh, I almost just lost my train of thought talking about these negative entities. I haven't experienced experienced any of them. I feel like there's a bubble around me, so I don't experience it, but I will acknowledge that it's there. Yeah, I think it's important to have some... Layer of protection. I mean, when um, Robin Foy's group in the UK, the Skull Experiment, when they did their sittings, they raised up their vibration collectively. They played music they loved. They, 
you know, they made it a very loving experience, and they were protected. I know when I do the work that I do with other mediums and empaths that we do something similar so that, and we also have entities that come in called, one of them is called the guardian, and so nothing can get in. But when you're dealing with technology, that's different. I mean, we're working with, you know, a whole different level of communication. We're not working with technology, but you're working with technology. So, yeah, there has to be something that identifies the frequencies you really like and feel comfortable with working with because the other ones are no fun to work with and you don't want to work with them, I'm sure. So that's that's just my question going forward. It may be something to keep in mind as you develop this technology so that there's some safeguards in place. Yeah, and, and back to the negative spirits, I just remember where I was getting at with this. And so these negative entities in some places are able to cause chaos in people's relationships or, you know, make you scared. Now, the CIA years ago, they were they had this thought experiment in the 50s and 60s where they were like creating these thoughts in people's brains where they were creating like voices inside their head and there's this technology that I believe exists on earth where they're able to 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 input voices in your head so the government has this technology i don't know it right all the specifics but i do know that it is possible and they've already had it so now what i'm getting at is if you could control someone's thoughts or minds you could tell them to do things that they don't even want to do but they're going to do it because they feel that it's right so now we could be talking about opening up a whole new ball field to where when people are doing things that are just violent or horrific are they doing those things or is there something controlling them doing it so that's something that needs to be looked at very closely. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, our government is notorious for doing experiments like that on people, MK Ultra, and there's a, a bunch of them like that. And I've always said that it, they never stopped doing those kinds of things. So, yeah, and they know how to do it. They know how to brainwash people. They know how to, well, look at the Born Identity, that series. I don't think that's so far out. I think that's probably true. How you can turn people it's into really assassins. not. Yeah. Yeah, and then so, all of that would be done through quantum physics. I mean, by entangling information and sending that data data remotely, you're entangling it with the neurons inside their brain. Their brain is receiving the information, and they're going to do exactly mm-hmm. as you say. Yeah. So that's really horrible. <laughs> it is. There's, it is horrible. Negative, and, and to know there's that negative here we impacts. are. Yeah, and here we are. This is what we do to each other. It's just so sad that we would we find technology and use it against ourselves. We do. We should discuss that because, I mean, the technology is there and it can be used for in, for negative purposes. Yeah, and it has been. And so, yeah, so that all I'm saying is that, in, you know, there are entities that are considered demonic. They have tremendous power. And so how do you keep them out of this? Uh, bent light technology that you don't really want to have a discussion with them so um, they have to stay where they are and and that I guess is something you'll be addressing as you go forward that all of these things have their own frequency so you'll be able to identify the reptilians are on a certain frequency or you know 
the people that have passed to the other side of the veil, they're on a certain frequency. And The frequencies I would mean, be closer together, but I do see where you're getting at with this and how, there's, like you're saying, within that same spectrum, you could input thousands of different frequencies. I mean, millions, yeah. actually. Millions and start of identifying who they belong to. So then you know yeah. exactly who you're talking to. I think that's Very an interesting. important piece. Well, uh, one yeah. good note that I found scientifically is with quantum entanglement, as soon as the photons that I was reviewing, as soon as I was able to physically detect these messages, it has been proven with science that the sender of that message was instantly alerted. So as soon as I detected these photons, they decayed, disappeared after I photographed them. Whoever was sending it was alerted instantly, which is weird because the very first photograph I took, I caught them off guard. They were doing some type of ritual. There was a tall man wearing a robe with a pointy hat. There was a bald man with a black coat kneeled down in front of the tall man with a robe, and he was holding a brown bowl in front of him, and it looked like some type Hmm. of ritual they were doing. So I caught them off guard. That was the only photograph that I took where they weren't looking into the camera. That was one of the only huh. photographs. So as soon as I took that first photograph, and, and they didn't know I could see them, so they were doing their own thing, just chilling, within five minutes in the same experiment during the same day after that photograph, every single photograph from here on out, they're looking directly into the camera. They're always center. They're always right side up. So I never have to turn a photograph sideways or I never have to turn it upside down. They are always the exact same way facing up, looking into the camera and showing bilateral symmetry. So those are all so they, really key aspects. So you think they, they know that you're, you're there. They know you're there. They knew instantly. So as soon as yeah. I capture that first photo, boom. They're already there within seconds, probably. Within seconds, they're already looking in. I've never been able to photograph them unexpectedly. Now they know that I'm, I'm there watching them, so they, they're, like, putting on shows and stuff. Like, oh, there was one instance, the bald <laughs> man with the coat, he was up in the, in the top, and he's, like, pointing with his fingers, and to the left of him looked like a, a aqua, like an like a Indian. It looked like an Indian, but it also looked like it lived underwater. Or it looked kind of blue looking. It had a blue tint to it. But it, it was a different species. Um, I don't know what species it was, but it looked awkward. But it was the bald man again who showed up in multiple images. So now this bald man has showed up in the 2015 experiments wearing a black coat. In the 2016 experiments, he showed up wearing a black coat. And in the 2020 experiments, it actually, I don't know if it's the same bald man, but this bald man that I photographed in 2020 in May is a little bit chubbier, and he has a full beard now. So maybe he let himself go, and he's growing out his beard, and he's trying something different, but he still has a black coat. But this bald man always appearing in these images. Now, have you ever looked through history to see if it matches anybody? Is it Aleister Crowley? Is it... Somebody like that where you could get a picture and go, hey, that's him. Not that – I don't believe that there 
I mean, they're detailed, but I don't believe that they're detailed enough to compare it to another human being. Um, actually, mm-hmm. yeah, they are, because the bald man that I recently captured, the chubby one with the beard, looks just like one of my good friends in New York, um, which was really weird because he had his beard and he just shaved his head. So, But that was just a coincidence, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... It's definitely. But I'm just saying that if there's somebody doing a ceremony, I mean, it may be somebody who studied the occult. It might be somebody like Aleister Crowley who was bald and kind of chubby and would wear a robe. I mean, it's or a suit. It sounds like him. So it may be worth gathering up some some photos and seeing if it does match. Because you might be I going back in history with some of these back photographs. Into time. You, yeah. I did take um, my face and overlaid it over the um, the human soul that I captured, which is a very detailed spirit. It looks like Casper, the friendly ghost. It's bald. Mm-hmm. It's white and blue. It has its eyes, its nose, its mouth. Its shoulder blades are showing. Um, its neck partially and then an ear on the left. Um, when I overlapped my face onto that face, it was almost identical. No so kidding. It, it, it was almost it was almost as if it's my own consciousness outside of my own body communicating That's with myself. That's very interesting. Yeah, so but that it was, could be. That was one of the comparisons. Yeah. I, well, I'm, again, I'm just thinking out loud with you here that when you described this man, I instantly thought of Aleister Crowley. Um, it just sounded like him. So, I, again, I think if you could match up photographs with some of these uh, these spirits you're taking pictures of, it would be an interesting match, possibly, with some of them. Because you, you did I say did you could go the forward reptile. in time with this. You could go back in time. I did compare the reptile to a turtle that I captured poking his yeah, head out that's of the right. lake. Yeah. Um, so there yeah. was an, a new discovery this year. And when you're talking about seeing through time, um, there was a – brand new discovery that just came out this year about a tabletop experiment where they're able to use lasers and they're they're entangling these lasers similar to my experiment where they're creating that entanglement where the mm-hmm. the quantum quantum craziness goes on and what they're hoping to to do is is see these pixels of of space time to where it's it's almost like um, they're able to detect these pixels, and then when the lasers fire together, this entanglement occurs. It knocks a photon out. They capture the photon, and in that photon, they're then able to see things that could be other places. It, it's it's a very new discovery. I just posted it. It's called Gravity from Quantum Entanglement of Space-Time. It's an experiment mm-hmm. called G-Quest. So it's definitely something to look into for the future because I do believe strongly that they are going to be able to make some major discoveries from this tabletop experiment. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it could go in a lot of different directions. Yeah. I mean, it's it, the whole field is, I find so fascinating, and I love that you're creating this technology that, that can be used for so many different purposes. I mean, there there are remote viewers who have gone back and forth in time, and also they have gone to uh, basically remote view alien uh, 
places on Mars and the moon, and only to find out that as soon as they got there, guess what? The aliens knew they were there, remote viewing them. So interesting, huh? It's kind of very similar to you looking into these worlds, and they know you're there. Very similar to that. It is, and that's why I, I, I do see a lot of potential for this new gra- quantum gravity experiment. But um, also, they're still using artificial man-made light. And mm-hmm. Arthur E. Eddington, he was an astrophysicist who actually, he was a British astronomer who helped prove Einstein's theory of relativity by going on a British Navy ship and capturing a photo of a solar eclipse. And in doing so, he proved the theory of relativity that light bends around gravity. Um, He coined the term, what what goes on in the Cavendish laboratory might not be that difficult in the sun. Hmm. So he's explaining, you know, what these scientists are doing with lasers is extraordinary work. But if you were to just test natural light, I mean, when you're describing physics with artificial man-made light, it seems like a conundrum there. You're using something that's man-made to test nature. Nature, physics, it's a Greek word, physa. Um, It means nature. Physics means nature. You're describing nature. So in order to truly describe nature, you must use our only natural light source closest to Earth, the sun, and that's where I'm looking. But until now, most scientists avoid sunlight when they're running experiments, and they do Uh everything possible to avoid interference with sunlight. So perhaps the most revolutionary discovery has been so simple that it was just overlooked. Yeah, I think that's quite possible. Yes, very interesting. Now, let me just ask you this. Let's say there's somebody listening tonight or they play the archive later on in the week and they've got some information for you. How would they get a hold of you, William? I'm always active on Facebook at Bent Light with uh, Albert Einstein as a profile photo, but also my webpage, which is bentlights.com, with an S. At bentlights.com, you could just send me an email, and I'm, I'm pretty good at replying to everyone that tries to get into contact with me because I feel it's necessary. The more people on the outside looking in, it actually helps me further this discovery because we need so many eyes looking in so many directions because there's just so many missing pieces to this puzzle. So definitely bentlights.com and bentlight on Facebook. Reach out to me and we'll see where it goes. Every day there's always something new happening as far as every week or two. A week might go by calm, but then a big discovery comes. And, um, you know, I'm always there on top of any type of news that has to do with quantum physics. Yeah, so everybody in the audience that's listening, if you have some information that you think might be helpful for William, that's how you get a hold of him. And you can be a part of this great experiment and great discovery moving forward that could change our future for the better. So this has been wonderful, William. I so appreciate your time tonight coming on the show. you got to do a book about this. You've got so much great information. 
Well, as of now, I'm working on the publications on the website. So there are new publications coming out. Like I just did a publication on macroscopic quantum energy and how we could entangle electricity. So the possibilities are endless. And where I'm going with this discovery is going to progress through the publications and articles that, I, that I'm putting out there into this wonderful planet that we exist on. <laughs> and life could be so much better. And I, I just love that you're looking at the future and you're looking out for our best interest as you move forward with this, that you see the implications are there, that we can make life so much better on the planet. And we can have a better system of technology that is more inclusive and also more powerful in a positive way. So you're really doing some great work here. I know my mind has been expanded tremendously by talking to you tonight, so I can't thank you enough. This has been absolutely wonderful. It has been a great conversation, and thanks so much for having me on. You know, we covered territories I didn't even think we were going in, so I'm looking forward to listening back to what we discussed because I can't remember (laughs) it all exactly, but I know we touched on a few (laughs) subjects that I need to go back on and do some more investigating. And that's the number one thing about this discovery. I'm pushing for seven years. What I'm trying to do is get an investigation. So if anyone who's listening to this right now and you know someone who can investigate this discovery, please, by all means, send them my way and investigate. Definitely. Please do that. Help William to to bring this to fruition, and we can all do that if we work together. And I know we've got some very intelligent people in our audience. I think I have the most intelligent audience in radio. They're all wonderful, and who knows? There may be somebody that has a key to the door with this one. So please reach out to William if you think you have something that will help him with this. So everybody will be back next week again with another great show. I know I'll be here. And Michelle will be joining us also. So be sure to tune back in. And until then, be safe, and I'll see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.